Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Presslav. I'm Ireland Meacham. I'm Jasper Tony. And I'm Justin Robertson. Tonight we have Robert Ping Slater of... Uh, <laughs> he's giving me that hands up, I got it right, <laughs> or thumbs up. Coryland Men's Choir um, as our guest um, tonight. But um, first, let's kind of hit up our host and see what everybody's been up to. Justin, we've missed you. I've missed you guys. I think I've been gone for two weeks. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jasper's filled in. Yeah, Jasper <laughs> and Ireland. And, <laughs> and Ireland. We've had everybody here, so it's been, yeah. It's been a busy time for everybody. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so thanks, guys, for coming in. Yeah, well, You're you know, awesome. we're going to dock you pay. You're going to dock my pay? Yeah, Wait yeah. a minute. We'll two talk weeks, about that later. You took two weeks. You remember reading the contract? You owe us money. I'm, I'm the Grinch. I owe you money. That's right. right. Can everybody hear me okay? It sounds like a little flat. Anyways, um, so uh, you said that you've been on 16 planes this month. I have. You are uh-huh. Mr. International. You just got back from where? Yeah. Where did I go? Uh, L.A. L.A. But no, but you were in Palm Springs. Right? I was in Palm Springs. I was in Pioneer Town. I was in L.A. All over the place. I was in London before that. I was in Michigan. I was in Virginia. You're an international celebrity. <laughs> and I was somewhere else. I what was your remember. favorite I was one? And I guess they're all different for what you were doing, right? Oh, yeah. Well, just recently. Uh, well, Palm, Palm Springs was great because nobody honked at me. And I'm a terrible driver. But they're all so old. <laughs> so they drive just like me. And I had to drive this big Chevy Suburban. And I... It was like freaking out, <laughs> like, yeah. not, but everybody was so polite. And then I got to uh, L.A. Yeah. and they were horrible. They beat you up, and it you know it took me forty-five minutes to drive six miles. Yeah, isn't that uh, that's the one thing is you're uh, surrounded by such coolness of things, opportunities. Oh, yeah. I but you love can't LA. get there. You can't. Yeah, get exactly. There. I love L.A., but I hate to drive. Right. I absolutely hate to drive. So you need to do what all my rich friends do out there. They have helicopters. Oh, and they just you're right. That's what I need you, to do. You need to do that <laughs> next <Okay>. trip. <laughs> or we're not talking. <laughs> no problem, so, right? So, um, yeah, we haven't seen you since Thanksgiving, right? I know, I've missed you. I know you have. Well, all of you, not just no, you, just me. You. Stop just it! Stop <laughs> it! <laughs> Jasper, yo, he's our he's our intern slash host, just growing up on us. Oh, yeah. man, it's, it's going too fast. Too yeah, fast, gonna, <laughs> I know. Just you were just on tricycles the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, um, your finals. Are you working on that? Yeah. Uh, your mama gonna be proud. I, I hope. I mean, we'll see. We got uh, next week. This week is dead week. So, yeah. Uh, Does she check your grades? Oh, no. Not since uh, she used to get my report cards back in elementary. Since you're in college now, she's oh, not yeah, asking. Yeah. Or you just lie. <laughs> I, re- I remember in the second grade, I, I, I got a really bad report card, and I tried to hide it from her, but... Yeah. yeah, she didn't go for it. So that never happened again. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you're a good student, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you just, we, we only keep smart ones around us. What are you studying? Um, so I study sports management. Oh, yeah. Great. It's a, it's a nice field. Um, 
it has a lot of business to it more than I was uh-huh. expecting. But right. I mean, I love it. So yeah, yeah, that's great. What, what do you want to do? Ask me that in another ten years okay. or so. Okay, just yeah. Okay, <laughs> and then we have Arlen. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're doing well. How are our um? Now you have finals too. I have we, finals. We, yeah. Grind time. Yeah. <laughs> and what are you studying? I am studying media, and I'm a gender studies minor. Okay, so. great. Yeah. Perfect. So Perfect for the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's why you're here. Yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that's why she's our intern. And since we're all sporty, that's why Jasper. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. So to throw me a football. Come on, come on. <laughs> um, so let's see. So you, you're, you're, you, what year are you? I'm a junior. You're a junior? At IU, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so at IU, not Ball State, not Purdue. Yeah, no, like. I, I commute up to <laughs> Purdue every day. <laughs> it's a long drive, yeah, but worth it. Yeah. So um, are you, uh, you, you feel pretty confident? With yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm excited to graduate, but still got a few more semesters. So. Right, well, no, we want to keep you around for a little yeah. longer. So you can throw another minor in there so you mm-hmm. can get the station a little longer. So wait, you live in Bloomington and you commute to Purdue? She's being funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old now. I, you are what, old. What jokes I, were they telling in LA? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a joke. Um, Sarcasm. <laughs> so, um, Ireland, let's uh, go see what's going on in LGBTQ news across the nation. We'll start off with you. Yeah, I've got a story. Um, Fior Pichardo de Velos, a grandmother from the Dominican Republic is suing after Florida police arrested her and then put her in jail with male prisoners because they mistakenly thought she is transgender. Pichardo spent 10 hours in a, in a cell with uh, male inmates after a prison doctor decided she is transgender because she takes hormone blockers for menopause. The arresting officer listed her gender as female and she was processed as a woman in, at the jail. A female officer strip-searched her looking for contraband and later testified she did not notice anything abnormal. But when she was taken to the medical unit for a checkup due to her high blood pressure, the nurse asked the officer if Pichardo was a man because she takes hormone pills for menopause. Dr. Rodriguez Garcia examined Pichardo but did not ask her to strip or perform any physical examination. He did not ask her if she was a woman, a man, or transgender, or why she was on hormone pills, according to the lawsuit. Instead, he simply reclassified her as a man. Even after three officers questioned the decision directly, they were bound by the nurse's instructions, who would only repeat, she's a man. Surrounding, surrounded by 40 loud and leering men, Pichardo was so afraid to even use the restroom, she urinated on herself. Eventually, Pichardo's family discovered she had been sent to the men's prison, and a new examination of her gender was ordered. A female nurse immediately realized the mistake. The nurse was exposed to consistent and repeated information that Mrs. Pichardo was a woman and stubbornly confused or stubbornly, stubbornly com- refused to com- confirm Pichardo's gender, according to the ruling. The doctor, quote, knew that sending a woman to an all-male prison would pose a risk of serious harm to her safety. However, he took no steps to verify Mrs. Pichardo's sex before reclassifying her as male. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. How do we get our heads wrapped around this one? That's a very strange <clears throat> one. Yeah. It is. What? It's the, the, the whole gender side versus, you know, the sexual mm-hmm. Part. What what do these hormone hormone blockers do? Uh, I'm not really familiar. So with that. what? S- some women take hormone um, inha- or hormone blockers to m- like ease the effects of menopause because mm-hmm. it can be 
yeah, right. a lot to deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the doctor just assumed, and I mm-hmm. don't know, I haven't seen really a picture of the, the, the inmate to see um, what she looks like, but still, you know, they just... Uh, uh, it, uh, I, I guess it's just on how you know society. You know they, I, and there was another report I read that basically the doctor basically said, you know, you know, get in there and you're probably going to be raped, and so mm-hmm. what, and that's your problem. And there was just no empathy and mm-hmm. no clarification and um, just awfulness <laughs> all around. And you yeah. know, and this is a, a person. You know, thank God they discovered. But could you imagine being a transgender person that are that you know is incarcerated? and mm-hmm. put in a place with uh, maybe, uh, you know, our, our male prisoners, mm-hmm. and usually you become, you know, they they rape them. Mm-hmm. And there's there's not much or protection out there that can, you know, help these individuals. And it's just, you know, brings to light, I guess, on, on really what's kind of, what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, how, how scary it is, and it's just infuriating. To know that uh, you know this 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 happened and and it took a while for it to be checked, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it, kind of mind-boggling to me that they didn't double check at all. They just assumed and then put right. her in a different category, you know, without just, even right. It just a makes no thought. sense to me. Right. No, it's just like yeah. they wanted her to be a man. For well, they have you know no empathy. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. say ninety-five um, percent of trans women um, that are housed with men are raped, like ninety-five percent. You know, it's an incredible. Forty percent um, get HIV in prison by rape, and thirty fives will be raped um, by prison by prison staff. Um, these are just some st- statistics I saw as I was kind of floating through the internet, and um, it's just uh, um, amazing. And mm-hmm. that you know, regardless of what your opinion is, one way or another, it's a humanity thing. And for you know, a, a place like you know, America, <laughs> where we assume that this stuff sh- doesn't happen. It, it happens a lot. And, you know, this is just something that we need to um, stay aware of. And, and hopefully there will be some changes and um, through this some some serious discussion. But there's, you know, there's, there's a long ways to go, obviously. So, Justin, what do you have on your end? Well, I have the death of George Bush on the eve of World AIDS Day was a painful reminder of some of the most lethal days of the epidemic, when people, predominantly gay and bisexual, were struck down by an illness that few in the White House seemed to lose sleep over. For them, the 41st president was a slow-moving leader whose response to the crisis was hard to separate from his public uneasiness with gay men and lesbians. Mr. Bush, who died Friday at 94, took two significant steps to address the epidemic, which had killed roughly 59,000 Americans by the end of 1989. He signed the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990, which forbade discrimination against people living with a disease, and the Ryan White Care Act, which remains the largest federally funded program for HIV and AIDS patients. Critics said that Mr. Bush did not do enough to provide funding for AIDS research and treatment. He was also critical of policy proposals, like a federally funded needle exchange. The activists believed could help slow the spread of the virus. By the end of his term, HIV infection was the leading cause of death for men in the United States from ages 25 to 44, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Mr. Bush described his approach to the epidemic as one shaped by compassion, but he often appeared to be uncomfortable when addressing the issue. 
1991, Mr. Bush counseled, quote, behavioral change as a way to fight HIV and described AIDS as, quote, a disease where you can control its spread by your own personal behavior, unquote. Many gay activists took it as a slight that blamed them for the public health crisis. In one interview in 1992, he said he opposed the idea of same-sex couples raising children. In another, he said if his grandchild came out as gay, he would love that child, but also tell him that he was not normal. Mr. Bush lost his bid for re-election in 1992. In the years since, expensive new treatments for HIV and AIDS have turned the virus into a manageable long-term illness for many people. But poverty and poor access to health care have kept those drugs out of reach for millions, both in the United States and around the world. And the virus continues to spread. There were almost 40,000 new diagnoses in 2016, 70% of which occurred among gay and bisexual men and 44% of which occurred among African Americans, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It's that over 1.1 million Americans currently live with HIV. So kind of mixed emotions with mm -hmm. Bush. I mean, you know, just, uh, did, has anybody, did anybody see uh, the funeral? No. No, no, I heard that on NPR, on I mean, NPR. parts of it. Yeah, I watched, you know, I just, my, I wanted to see when, uh, Trump walked in and um, you know met the other presidents and <laughs> to see how that went and it was interesting. Um, it was described as very awkward. It was really yeah. awkward. I mean, they just cold shoulder. <laughs> I mean, it was a cold shoulder all around. Right. I mean, and it was interesting watching the people in the back. Um, everybody was trying, you know, because you knew there was going to be an awkward moment and to see what happened. And you know, I think the Obamas were the only ones that you know um, acknowledged, but they were just right by him right at that point. But it's interesting um, that this was brought up, the whole AIDS crisis at that time during his presidency, because in all of um, <clears throat> the, the broadcasts that I've listened to, nobody's mentioned this. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a big deal the way the Reagan administration and uh, Bush's administration dealt with the AIDS crisis was really pretty horrific. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> and I don't think that we should forget that. No, I'm not trying to, you know... It's, um, a, it's kind of an awkward him, moment but, within, yeah. you know, our country when we're, you know, celebrating a president who, you know, that's the highest point of office that an individual can, can, can achieve within our country. But, um, you know, to then, of course, you know... Uh, who he is who he is mm -hmm. and and how do you celebrate but and that I guess I don't celebrates the wrong word but acknowledge I guess and what do you what do you communicate about this person you know at, I guess during their their funeral during is where uh -huh. you know sending them off to wherever they should go depending on <laughs> what you believe <laughs> um <laughs> so you know it was it was well, you know, he I did do some good things but right. this wasn't one of them no. I mean this was a massive epidemic and right. They were just like, we don't care. Right. Good. Right. No, and it and was chilling. History will definitely, you know, are going to continue to point out the things that he and the Reagan administration overlooked. And, you know, I, I, I think what, so. what really, 
he became a, a warmer, more fuzzy guy after his office. When Absolutely. He became kind of the guy jumping out of the airplane, and um, I guess he, you know, he went to a, a gay wedding and changed his mind, and basically, right. you know, his his views have changed. Mm-hmm. He became more um, insightful, I guess. Um, but that doesn't. You're correct. It doesn't stop all the damage that. Um, you know that he inflicted on people, and the Reagan administration had inflicted on people during the AIDS crisis because mm-hmm. when he was vice president, yeah. So and then coming out, so he's done. You know, it's I don't know. Um, it, I mean, I figured when when I saw the n- a news story come out, I figured you know it's good to mourn his death. This you know uh, he, yeah, he's absolutely. a big chunk of history, yes. but at the same time, you can't you know forget the actions. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. think about it. If it was some other you know. Um, crisis that was going on imagine if ebola broke out in america i mean it would be you know non-stop trying to fix it but um with this it was a different case and so uh, you, you can't forget that in history you write it'll go down we'll look back on it and we'll we'll see it uh for what it is but you know i think it's also a good point to to learn from and yeah. right I that's mean, exactly right i've been seeing a lot of posts online that are you know respecting him and his family at this time and um, and that's and that's good. But I've also seen a lot of, you know, queer celebrities and queer online personalities that are posting like, you know, we can't forget something as big as Oh, you as have. This. OK, good. No, it's <laughs> definitely been in there. You've been in the, um, you know, been out there in the social media. Okay. Um, I, I, I think saying, in, I hadn't heard. Well, it, on CNN and, you know, obviously Fox News, the, you know, the, the big <laughs> media. I live in a cellar. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> well, I'll open it up. Me and Dorothy will go check it out with you. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's definitely being talked about. So it is it is that complicated thing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, what it, when, when a person like this individual passes away and they have such a legacy of so much, it is a opportunity to talk about the things that, yeah, they didn't get right and how, you know, it affected so many different people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was not – he was I was definitely not a fan of his journey his administration um but at the same time you know he was a president and yeah. you know that that yin and yang. but yes right yes i mean it's the job of the people to like critique our our government and our leaders if they're not serving us well so yeah i think it's important no matter what if you become president if you put yourself in that position like yeah it's you're gonna get critiqued and and i think that's just a natural thing and we should talk about the bad things as well as the good things yeah. yeah, and these are these are great conversations again to have with with people. I think you know, and um, with your kids and and friends is that you know again, it's it's this stuff that happens kind of feels like ancient history, uh, you know, in in some ways, but it wasn't that long ago. No, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, um, Jasper, what are you bringing to the table tonight? So apparently, uh, Indiana school and. Uh, their gay straight alliance can't call itself gay. There's a there's a school in high school in Allen County, Indiana. But according to a new lawsuit from the American Civil Liberty Union of Indiana, this school club for LGBT community stu- uh, students and their allies isn't allowed to call their itself a gay straight alliance or even a GSA, and is instead only to permit it to refer to itself as a pride alliance. And the thing about it is that this pride is an acronym for professionalism, respect, integrity, diligence, and excellence. So uh, there's a catch to that. But um, Ken Falk, the legal director of the American Civil Liberties Union of Indiana, 
told the Daily Beast that there is a lot of language policing. So there's that. But uh, um, according to him as well, it may go beyond that. According to the complaint filed at the end of November in the U.S. District Court, the ACLU of Indiana's complaint alleges that Leo Pride's alliance is treated differently from other extracurricular clubs at the school, claiming that it is not allowed to meet outside of a single classroom. That is barred from participating in school fundraisers and that it can only put a bulletin board if members perform community service outside the school, a requirement not imposed of any other club. Other clubs, by contrast, are reportedly allowed to host activities outside the regular meetings. Asked by the Daily Beast about the lawsuit, an East Island County School spokesperson said, we take the right of our students seriously. We are looking into this matter. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, this is a very bizarre story. <laughs> bizarre stories what? for the week, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. What are your thoughts? It. When I saw it, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's the right. same stuff I said last week, just just, just a different story, but. It, I feel like there's a lot of um, discrimination happening, but uh, like like under the radar, and mm-hmm. it's still it's still just, it's happening all across the country, all across the world, but like, um, you know, it's it's trying, it, like people are trying to hide it as much as possible and play it off as, as you know, just, we're, we're just following the rules, you know, but. Um, but underneath, it's it's like blatant discrimination. Yeah, I mean, and we got to bring that right, to like right. the and surface. These, these gay straight alliances are supposed to be anti discrimination, mm-hmm. right? right? I mean, they're supposed to help with discrimination, mm-hmm. right? And then the school is discriminating right. against yeah. this alliance, right? I mean, they're not, you know, that Do, we we respect, you know, our, our the integrity of our our students is BS on that. Yeah, I didn't I didn't buy that. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know clearly not just obviously not. I, I mean, don't. It is what it is, and I'm obviously hopefully they'll be shamed at. Uh, you know, too bad it's coming from our, our own neck of the woods here in, in Hoosierville. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be a story that we'll kind of continue to watch. Um, we are um, at a little past the, the half hour, or not the half hour. Listen to me, I'm in another world <laughs> <laughs> at uh, six twenty-two. So it's time to take a music break. Uh, Lucas, take us away.
WFHB and Blooming Out presents Coming Out Stories, sharing experiences and stories of self-discovery by community members. Hey, my name is Matt. Um, I came out in 04 over the phone to my mom. Figured I was going to get the Bible chucked at me because my mom's one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And announced to me, she's like, she call, she goes, Sunshine, I've known for a while. She hasn't called me that since I was 11. And she goes, I knew, was just waiting for you to admit it. And last few years, she's become really close with me, asked how my relationship's going and all that. So what advice would you give to uh, kind of the next generation or people maybe even, you know, your age that are looking to come out uh, about, you know, how's it been? Is it as bad as you thought? Um, It's not as bad as I thought because when I came out, it was during that time period where a lot of guys were scared to towards the end of it. But my advice to people that are my age or younger is you don't have to be afraid. It's not as scary as you would think, and it's a whole lot easier to come out when you're younger than um, when your parents are older and it makes it a little more difficult. But both my parents accept me for who I am, and your parents should as well. I'm Cody, and my coming out story is I was sleeping on the couch, and my mom said, like, do you have something to say to me? And I said, um, well, I'm gay. And she was like, well, everybody already knew. We were just waiting. (laughs) And the message that I have to tell to people is that it does get better after a while. My name's Caitlin. I'm a pansexual. So one night when I was doing dishes, I'm just like, you know what? I'm sure my parents will be supportive. So I came out holding a skillet. <laughs> and I said, there's two things this man and I have in, cl- have in common. We're clean and we're pan. Awesome. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Coming Out Stories on Blooming Out and WFHB. You can share your coming out story by contacting bloomingout at wfhb.org or give us a call at 
Welcome back to Blooming Out. You have been listening to Wake Me by Collis, I guess. (laughs) Um, And we uh, had our coming out stories, and it was kind of fun. I think I did that um, at Spencer Pride. I was trying to remember. uh, I did them at a lot of different prides around Indiana. Um, and that was a, a fun pride. Yeah, those and, were really sweet. Yeah, they were they were fun. You I know, like I, d- I never I, when I start asking the stories, I have no clue what the people are going to say right. or what the next. And everybody kind of has obviously a different twist on it. And the first gentleman, he was probably in his late sixties. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, so it was you know he was a little shy at first, and then you know opened up. But it, it's fun. That's one thing I really enjoy when we go to the pride events. Is that I walk around with my microphone and and ask people to tell their coming out story. So once a month, um, usually at the top of the month, um, here on Blooming Out, we uh, are doing the coming out stories. So I don't know how many more we have left, but hopefully it'll take us close to to summer so we can um, reload with them on that. And if anybody out in the community has a coming out story they'd like to share, um, contact us and we'll give you more information on that. Um, So, Justin... Who do we have in the studio? Well, we have Robert Ping Slater. Welcome, Robert. Robert has lived in Bloomington for almost 30 years and came out to his friends and then his family 25 years ago. He is the current, or I'm sorry, he is the past president of Coryland Men's Chorus, where he has been a singer for 15 plus years. And he's the volunteer coordinator of the LGBT and Gender Speakers Bureaus at Indiana University. He was a founding board member of Bloomington Pride and has been married to Tom Ping Slater for 12 plus years. His life revolves around his family, advocating for rights, and helping those in need. In the chorus, he has served as recruiting chair, marketing chair, president, treasurer, and sings first tenor. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. It's great to have you on the show. <laughs> Thanks. It sounds Always like happy to be here. <laughs> you do a lot in... Uh, for the Quarry Men's, men's Chorus. It's true. So we're the Quarry Land Men's Chorus. Quarry Land. Yeah, there was a great group back uh, in the early 50s called the Quarry Men. That's what I was thinking That we of. get confused with I wasn't all there the then, time. Right? Yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah, that just comes out because, yeah, I've, I've heard them and I've heard you. I've, I've gone to your concerts. And awesome. Stuff. They're wonderful. Thank Absolutely you. Absolutely wonderful. And also I've, I've seen you at the Pride Film Festival. It's true. Yeah, was I was a founding night. member of uh, the Bloomington Pride. And uh, the Pride Film Film Festival had already been going on for a long time when the Bloomington Pride was founded, and uh, so we kind of took over, and it was it was great, and it still continues to be great. That's wonderful. So, how did you get involved? Um, so, the men's chorus uh, is super important to me. Uh, I was in a relationship for ten years, and when I became single, I started looking for a community, and I joined the Indie Pride Band, I joined uh, Gay Softball League in Indianapolis, and I joined the Quarryland Men's Chorus here in Bloomington. Um, Clearly, it's a lot less of a drive to, <laughs> to stay here. But yeah. the, the people in the chorus really became my family. Uh, I was looking for community. I, I was looking for family. And uh, uh, what can I say? They became my best friends, you know, seeing them once a week and then starting doing things with them outside the chorus. You're a tight-knit um, group. Very tight-knit community. group. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Now, you guys do wonderful, wonderful Thank performances. You. So do you have anything coming up soon? 
We do this weekend. Thank awesome. you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for the nice segue there. This weekend uh, is our uh, winter concert. Uh, we have two major concerts every year, one in the spring and one in the winter. This one is called Pink Christmas. Pink Christmas. We have a new director. Uh, we have a new look for the chorus. Uh, our venue. Uh, we are what still new at. Look? What's so going on there? we're we're going to be surprise. donning tuxedos. Ooh. Yes, you've never seen the Coryland Men's Chorus in tuxedos. What so do you guys usually? Yeah, wear? I was going to say. What yeah, so um, so one of our our one of our founding members, mother uh, Gwen McGee, who's amazing. Mm. She made us vests, so we wore vests for a while. Uh, we Did you wear red silk vests? ties? Uh, these were blue, uh, blue. yeah, okay, sort of paisley know. vests. Um, <laughs> okay. and they were nice, uh, but typically, you know, sort of black pants, white shirts, um, okay. and some sort of tie. Um, so we're we're escalating. You're moving on. We're, we're gonna look fly. <laughs> we're gonna look good. Yeah. <laughs> so, how many concerts do you guys usually do within the, the year? So we do two major um, weekends a year, uh, and then uh, we were discussing this before the program started. Um, we're part of an international music fe- music association called Gala Choruses, and every four years the choruses get together uh, in some big city with a big music venue um, because it's three days of performances. There's generally 130 choruses, 250 performances over three days, and it's just a, a huge supportive atmosphere um i wasn't prepared for it when we went the first time in 2012 i pretty much cried the entire weekend um, because it's just songs about hiv and aids songs about coming out songs about losing people songs about finding love um, songs about marriage equality and you're just bombarded by all of this stuff um that you as a gay person or as a queer person live day in and day out and to be supported by all of these choruses and and to hear all the stories and and hear hear everything through music is just amazing so do you guys write your own music or is or do you do traditional music yeah uh, we do both Uh, we're known as a really eclectic chorus um both both times that we've gone to this international music festival 2012 and 2016 we did commission original pieces um and the choruses that are part of the gala um Gala choruses, they all commission pieces, and then we share them amongst each other. You buy the rights to sing in other choruses, music, and things like that. Um, so we did one called Will and Testimony, um, and we did one uh, that in- ended up being published at, called Legacy of Life, um, and then we did another one four years later, and we did the big debut um, at this international music festival um, worldwide, but of course we debuted for our local audience first because we have a, a huge number of followers, right. um, really Coryland groupies, they like to call themselves. <laughs> yeah, what, I, I, it's funny because the um, coming out stories were done at yeah. Spencer Pride and you guys were, I don't know if you could hear in the background, but one of them, you guys yeah. were actually performing while I was interviewing, correct? Right. <laughs> um, so these concerts this weekend, yeah. um, one is Saturday, uh, 7.30 p.m., and one is Sunday at 3 p.m. Um, tickets are available at the door, and we'll have lots of seats. It's at First United Church, which is our open and affirming rehearsal space. And uh, we're we're looking forward to having a huge group of people. We're doing our concerts a little earlier in December this year to see how that goes, see if we can kind of beat people leaving town. Right. It's it's That's a, a great idea. arts yeah. community here in Bloomington, so you can never find a time when there is nothing else going on because there's right. always yeah. stuff going on. Yeah, there's on. definitely stuff. Yeah. No, it's uh, what I was going to say about, you know, the Spencer one, there, you definitely had your groupies there. Yeah. Um, and it was it was fun to, you know, they, they, they knew the songs and yep. definitely. And I'm sure there's a lot of spouses and boyfriends and, Absolutely. you and know, partners. And, uh, we have a lot of past 
people who have sung with us in the chorus um, out in the community too. And and uh, I keep talking about this. If everybody who has ever sung with the chorus were to come back and sing, you know, we'd be a sixty to eighty person chorus. Yeah. Have you guys ever had a giant reunion? Uh, so we, uh, for our fifteenth uh, anniversary, we had a lot of folks who came back, um, and we welcomed them to the stage. We we have a few songs that we sing every season, and so everybody already knew those songs. Right. And that was mm-hmm. great. You know, up there holding hands or just putting our arms around each other and, and singing as a huge group and then looking back at the photos and going, oh, look at all these people. There was some who traveled from the East Coast just to come back for the 15th anniversary. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's a really special wow. group. How long do people usually stay within the choir? What are um, yeah, so we have, as of last season, our 17th season, uh, we still had five of the seven founding members okay. who were still singing that's with us. So that's, amazing. that's long term. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, we lost one of our founding members, unfortunately, right. last year, uh, and, and one year the year before that, um, who was uh, who started out as a performing member and then sort of moved into offstage roles as president and treasurer and different things. Um, so yeah, we're we're unfortunately losing some, and yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. really happy to see uh, the face of the chorus changing a little bit. There's uh, there's younger people, there's people of color, we have some transgender members. And we've always had those over the years, but I, I feel like the chorus is, is changing in leaps and bounds all of a sudden. So I'm really looking forward to our community coming out and seeing us this weekend. So when you, um, I'm sure there's lots of expenses. Um, how, what do you guys do for fundraising? Absolutely. And- uh, we do a fall fund to drive um, that we send out over email and, and also with personal letters. And that is our biggest um, way to get money is through personal donations. Uh, but we've started having a major event every year. Uh, we call it the Cabaret and Cabernet. It's a really great way. Thank you. It's a really great way to showcase uh, our performers because the the artistic directors uh, don't direct. They do informal informally do auditions for people who are going to sing. But it's really a lot of duets and solos, and they get to choose the music they want to sing. Um, we have had it at Oliver Winery in the past. Mm-hmm. They donated their facilities. Uh, last year and this year, Serendipity Martini Bar is donating their facilities, and you get a. This year, you're getting a free queer cocktail uh, for the price of your your entry ticket, uh, along with the performances, uh, food from Board and Blade Catering, and we have desserts from uh, Celestial Sweets, and we've had them from IMU Sugar and Spice Catering in the past too. And so, for forty-five dollars, our major fundraiser for the year, uh, you get to come spend two hours with the Coryland Men's Chorus up close and personal and get a lot of benefits in return. So That's we great. have a silent auction too, which is fun. Wow, yeah. that is fun. Well, before what, we uh, move what? on, let's uh, take a moment to do our community updates and a short music break. Luke, break. <laughs> Lucas, take it away.
You were just listening to Will and Testament from the Coryland Men's Chorus. Um, and you can catch them live uh, on December 8th at 7.30. And that's at First United Church at 2420 East 3rd Street. Um, you could also catch them on December 9th at 3 p.m. And that's also at First United Church. Um, we're looking at the community calendar real quick. Um, we also have on Monday, December 10th, the LGBTQ Senior Social at Cheddar's Restaurant, 126 South Franklin Road. All right, with that, I'm going to throw it back over to Blooming Out. Hi. Welcome back, Robert. That was a beautiful, beautiful um, song. It that really is. Really nice. Yeah. And it, it really touches on the mission of the chorus. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we try to provide a positive performance-based community for uh, bi, and <laughs> bi and gay sexual. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Friday yet? <laughs> for gay and bisexual. So it's not just me. Yeah, it's today. not just you. Not right. just you. Uh, for gay and bisexual men and trans men and their allies in South Central Indiana, um, we really do try to foster fellowship, pride, and understanding through excellence in vocal music. And I think that song... Um, you know, that was one that we commissioned, and that was the performance uh, that we did in Denver in 2012, and it really speaks to our mission in talking about how gay people, queer people can leave a legacy in addition to everybody else on this planet. You know, we have things to contribute as well. Right. Well, it's, I, you know, to have the opportunity to have something like this in our town and, you know, it's, it's definitely family friendly, um, definitely. you know, it's, uh, it's something that you don't have to go to a bar to that, you know, right. in your venues are, you know, I, I think I usually have, uh, heard you at the Unitarian church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think. We were, that was our rehearsal space for a long time. Mm -hmm. There another opening and open and affirming congregations. Right. Yeah. And so it's just always very welcoming and, and friendly and your songs are always emotional. You know, oh, they definitely hit the, the heart in, in many ways. Yeah. And our new artistic director uh, is Dr. Casey Hayes. He's the, he's the musical director from Franklin college. Um, he, this is his first season with us. And he said, you know, we're just going to start out with Pink Christmas as my first big concert because everybody loves a holiday show, and it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, you might even see me dressed as a reindeer. Uh, really? Come this well, weekend. Yeah. Everybody has to go for that. <laughs> <laughs> horns and all. I mean, not horns. Yeah. Yeah. Horns. Taylor's. Taylor's on the radio, I'm sure. Yeah. What did everybody take before the show? Right. <laughs> That's right. It's a party. Um, so we talked about, um, you know, some of the uh, other communities are – places that are people i'm sorry i'm trying to spit it all out um that support you guys um, yeah it's really great uh bloomington like i mentioned before the, the before the musical break is a great arts town and we have a couple different funders here in town there's many actually um but last year we were funded by the bloomington arts commission and the indiana arts commission and this year we're funded by the indiana arts commission again um and is that a grant it is a grant and you apply for it and you know you have to do some reporting and you have to survey your audience and make sure that your audience um, that you're doing what the people in your community um, are looking for you to do uh, as a nonprofit organization you know, you're beheld to the state of Indiana and, and making sure that you're you're doing what you said you know when you chartered it mm -hmm. to be a, a 5013c is what we are 
So it's really great to have the support of our community. Um, and we're, we're always happy to have other, other supporters. I'll throw that out there, a little plug. Right. Uh, we do have opportunities for people to advertise in our concert program, uh, for people to donate personally and become part of a rainbow circle. Um, we have several in-kind donors. Uh, I mentioned Serendipity Martini Bar, Board and Blade Catering, and, and Blue Boy Chocolate Cafe and Cakery. A lot of people come to our concerts only because there's a reception afterwards where they get free <laughs> Blue Boy Chocolate yeah, Cafe no, Cakery right desserts. So, <laughs> that um, stuff is good. It is really yeah. good. Mm -hmm. Melts in your mouth. Yeah. Really beautiful, <laughs> too. They do a great job. They do. They're fantastic. So, so with the holiday show, I'm kind of curious, what kind of songs do you sing? Because I know... You know, with holidays, religion is a touchy subject for a lot of queer people. So, do you t do you sing like the traditional like holiday songs or? The, we do, like, like I mentioned earlier, we're a, a very eclectic chorus, and generally, I don't think we've ever done in our 17 years we've never done a Christmas concert. Um, and this one, you know, Christmas is in the title. So, right. but we have some really beautiful music. Um, in addition to some some fan favorites, we have the Gloria Fanfare, which is it, anything um, where you're doing Latin um, is just going to knock your socks off. And to, sit, mm -hmm. to hear a men's chorus do it with, with the, the voice ranges from a high tenors to low basses, it's amazing. But we are doing just some, you know, hard candy Christmas. Yeah, come on, Dolly Parton. <laughs> Give it to us. Um, that's a good song. Yeah, and uh, put a little love in your heart. You know, that's yeah. a, 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 a not necessarily a Christmas song, but more I think anybody – can be touched that by that message but then we're also hitting on you know i'll be home for christmas and um pink christmas is a song actually by chad warwick uh who's a gay composer and so that's the title mm -hmm. that's where the title of our of our program came for came from and then you know we have a, an hour an hour and a half of, of amazing music with an intermission and a reception afterwards so i'm not going to give you all the titles <laughs> right right leave right. a couple out there for people make, to uh, make everybody thirsty yeah, for some I, more yeah and i didn't mention the one where we'll have reindeer and maybe even santa claus oh wow yeah <laughs> so definitely kid friendly it's so bring the kids this is exciting. Um, so, uh, what are as far as you'll, you'll get through this concert, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Um, then, where do, what happens after this? Well, we're going to take a little break. Uh, we just did a World AIDS Day performance uh, downtown. We do that every year, and that's an important part of our community and part of our outreach. Uh, and then we are going to take a little break. We'll come back in January. Uh, we love to perform for the Bloomington Pride Film Festival. They didn't have any live performances last year. I'm hoping that they reach out to us or that w that we approach them. Who, and, who and didn't have any? Uh, the Bloomington Pride Film Festival. Oh, the so Film Festival. Yeah, I was thinking Pride Festival. Festival. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I go almost so, every year, but I missed it last yeah. year. But they always have live performances to all the ones I've been to. Yeah. Anyway. So they didn't last so, year. I think okay. they were, they were um, you know, trying to see how the program, what people thought of, of having programming that didn't involve the live performances. Uh, so... We'll see. We'll see if they bring those back this year. That's always a great way to perform in front of what I like to call our people. Right. Um, right. Mm -hmm. Because they're people who go to the to the Pride Film Festival are definitely allies or members of the LGBTQ plus community in, in one way or another, whether they have kids or parents or they identify themselves. That's it's really a great audience to perform in front of. And then we have our Cabaret and Cabernet on March 4th at Serendipity Martini Bar. And then we'll be preparing for our spring concert, which will be in April. And that one is actually going to be a lot of fun. Uh, our musical director, our artistic director says it will be a, uh, what did he call it? A musical romp through gay history <laughs> with the Portland <laughs> Men's Chorus. Okay. Yeah. So that should be a lot so of fun. So is it strictly men? 
It is strictly men, uh, men, trans men. If you can sing a men's part and pass the audition, then you're in the Coraline Men's Chorus. And we have lots of people who identify from all different genders who participate in one way or another. Our president, Karen Garrett, uh, is a straight cisgender uh, woman who has been one of my mentors and is a colleague of mine at Indiana University now. Uh, we have Constance Cook Glenn, who is a musicologist, uh, an amazing educator at the IU Jacobs School of Music, who is also straight, a uh, woman who serves on our board. Uh, we, so we, you know, we have a variety of folks, and as long as they are committed to our mission and are willing to put up with the group uh, and become part of our community, we welcome them. So mm -hmm. we really welcome everybody. Right. As far as the history goes, and when you guys started, mm -hmm. um, what was do you, you know? What we don't have a lot of time, right? But what kind of? What yeah. So there was a guy in Bloomington. His name is Sam Troxel. Uh, his husband and he were founding members of the chorus, Donovan Walling. And oh, I, didn't, I didn't realize yeah, that those guys and uh, they, Sam just sent out an email to a bunch of friends and said, why isn't there a gay chorus in Bloomington? Let's do it. <laughs> and in 2002, they started meeting and coming together and, and uh, became the nonprofit and had their first performance. We actually sang on a, on the, there was a, a chorus in town called the Feminist Women's Chorus. And that was the first time they sang together as a group. I think they maybe had seven or eight guys who sang one number or two numbers on the women, women's feminist chorus. Uh huh. Concert. That's cool. Yeah. So we've been around does that a while. Does still exist? It does not. Oh, yeah. that's too bad. It is too bad. Uh, somebody needs to, to think about that. Right. Start yeah. up a women's feminist chorus. And <laughs> I would it. join. Yeah. That sounds yeah. fun. There's so, so many out there. Do it. Ireland, you do it. You're the yeah. founding member. All right, I'll get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on the agenda. Do you sing <laughs> Ireland? I did in high school. I was in choir. Oh, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah. It's up to you now, babe. <laughs> <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> and we ha we did sing, uh, like, at Indiana University Athletics invites us to sing for some of their things, okay. uh, especially national, I was gonna ask national anthems. Okay. And we invited uh, women in our community to come and sing the national anthem with us at Pride Night at Assembly Hall for a women's basketball game. So that was fun. It was a big mixed chorus, big group. Uh, we had We got a lot of coverage on that one. Yeah, that's just so cool. Yeah. So um, we're, we're getting close. I think we have like two more minutes or less to, to kind of talk. What are things that youth would like to kind of hit on before we exit the program? I think that I think the main thing is that we're we're always looking for new people uh, to to join our community. Um, you know, our website could use an update. We always are looking for people to help usher at the concerts or do marketing or fundraising. So even if you're not. If you don't feel like you're a singer uh, or if you don't feel like you're a performer, uh, we still have a space for you. Yeah. And welcome. We would welcome you with open arms. And, and like I say, the face of the chorus is changing a lot. Um, our, our assistant director, Mitch Sursliv, is the same. Our, we have a new artistic director, a new look. I bet we'll have a new sound just because each director pulls a different, a little bit different thing out of a group of people, even if it's the same group that's been singing together for a while. And uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah. Do you guys ever do private events? We do. Uh, we're available to sing at private events. We actually just did an event last summer where our quartet, uh, the Quarry Tones, is a smaller group within the chorus, uh, performed for Indiana University as part of their 75th anniversary of the art museum on campus. So they asked us to come and sing on campus and usher people between buildings so that there wasn't sort of this dead space on campus. So that was a neat 
a neat place to, to sing. Yeah, the, just lots of opportunities out yep. there. And if people are interested and want to join, we'll, we'll put something yeah. on our website that people can awesome. check out as well and, and go there. Yep. So, and um, they can get tickets for this weekend via quarryland.org. Awesome. Well, we're out of time. It was a great show. Thank you, Robert, for, for being with us and um, visiting us here at Blooming Out tonight. And um, I thank you to all our listeners and volunteers who make this possible. I'm Jasper Tony. I'm Ireland Meacham. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Presloff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Blooming Out's community liaison is Alex Ashkin. Our interns are Jasper Tony, Ireland Meacham, and Wen Yen Lee. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. And I'm Frankie Presslaff. And remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night from your Blooming Out family. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is bloomingout at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening. <laughs>